It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Sunny Bunnell. She is the co-founder of Motto, a design and branding firm based in Dallas, Texas. Sunny, welcome to Accelerate. Thanks for having me. So, take a minute, introduce yourself. Sure. So, I'm Sunny Bunnell, as you said, and I'm the co-founder and creative director of Motto. And Motto is a comprehensive branding agency. We work with bold and ambitious companies to help them build inspiring and magnetic brands. Bold and ambitious and companies. Okay, so you're not going to work with anybody that's not not bold, not ambitious. <laughs> you can't help somebody become bold and ambitious by changing their logo or their stripes, right? It's very true. Uh, we really look for big thinkers, entrepreneurs that have you know all these sort of audacious visions, and we work with them to try to bring that brand and, and vision forward into uh, into the world. You know, to help them do really remarkable things. Right. So you talk about that you're writing a book about how great leaders defy the ordinary to build extraordinary brands. Mm -hmm. So what is extraordinary? Well, I think, you know, extraordinary is the opposite of ordinary. And I think a lot of uh, organizations and companies fall back on um, tactics that they're used to and familiar with. And I think in today's marketplace, we're seeing the need for organizations to take a step forward and to actually do something um, different, you know, to, to stand up, stand out, actually stand for something. And so when we work with companies, we really try to push them to think beyond product and service and really think about what they stand for and what they're trying to do in the world. And I think when you do that and you're able to embody that in the brand that you build and also in the in the organization that you lead, I think that you're able to get attention and 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 have people uh, kind of, you know, I guess bring them to some kind of loyalty where I think most companies don't have that. You know, the, the majority of companies that we work with kind of get by um, in that mindset in the beginning. And then, and then we really push them very hard to think different and to really try to uh, create a brand that that is extraordinary. And so... Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm seeing more and more of that kind of that thinking come about, which is great. So is, is the resistance to, to this whole idea of doing something extraordinary? Cause I mean, part of it's just complacency. I presume on most people, they're just not aware of the importance of what their brand can do for them Right. on one hand. And then the other is, is fear of change. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I think you know, I, I as I as I said earlier, I just think you can't play like other people play, and and especially if you're in a category where there is deep expertise or you have a lot of commonality. Let's just say, you know, um, and I'll use an example. Almost every other call we get is from someone launching a food uh, bar, you know, some kind of bar um, <laughs> right. that, that's going to, you know, that for fit people or for active people or for you know um, CrossFitters and things of that nature, and you know, that is a very crowded space right now. And all of their stories are the same. They're all saying they're using these, you know, organic products and they're non-GMO and all, all of this sort of ad lib. And that's great, but there has to be something more. 
And, you know, the people who have deeper pockets and value brand and, uh, and are actually telling something, uh, you know, telling a story that is, that is remarkable, I think th- those companies will win. Um, we have a client right now in this space who is actually was the first person to market with um, uh, food on the go in a pouch. They took kind of took the the concept for you know uh, I don't know if you ever seen those pouches that moms get for babies that that have like fruit and veggies mm-hmm. in them and so forth. And so they kind of took that concept and said, hey, you know, we've got this audience who um, are adventurers <laughs> and rock climbers and all this stuff, and we're going to create a food that goes in in kind of on the go pouches. They're not babies. And no, they're not babies. <laughs> okay. And uh, <laughs> thank goodness. Um, but yeah, you know that that uh, they filled a very unique niche um, and void. And so, you know, that kind of, and, and their mission is really powerful. And I, so I think those kinds of companies um, stand a good chance to win. Right. So and you described a, a scenario that plays out across all, even business, you described particularly business to consumer spaces, but certainly apply to business to business. You can go into nearly every market segment and there's a, you know, a, a huge explosion, number of competitors and, yeah, one of the artifacts or results of that is that, hey, all the competitors start looking alike in the eyes of the buyers. It's true. And it, and it stems back to, um, you made a great point. So B2B, you know, it, it, I think more and more companies have to dig deeper and, and look at their culture, look inside the walls of the organization, again, move beyond product and service, and maybe even having great customer service. You know, to me, that that's like a given. You know, so many people that we have worked with in the past have said things like that their competitive difference is that their their people are that like they have great customer service and i'm like well actually that's not really a benefit you know meaning like if you it's an expectation it's not it, yeah that's i mean right. if you're if you're in business today you should have good customer service like it shouldn't be a rare thing but it is it it actually is um how many times have we gone into a store uh you know called a company and you know like been left on hold or just had a very poor experience, you know, not been kind of catered to or taken care of. And I think companies overlook that. They have a lot of values that they that they send around in their PowerPoint, but they don't necessarily live or embody them in, in the way that I think most companies in, in today's marketplace need to do. And so that's kind of our our sermon, if you will. You know, we believe in and actually uh you know doing what you say you're gonna do and actually having something of value to offer to the world and 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 really communicating that through the brand that you build and the company that you lead. I mean that's that's truly what our our belief is. Sure. So let's let's unpack some of that. Is sure. is yeah, it's not enough. And I think it's one of the mistakes companies make when they say, you know, or create a brand around customer services to tell people how good they are at customer service. Um, which to me always sort of raises the defenses like, yeah, you know, if they really have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably not something that they're really living and and exemplifying. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, do you find that to be the case? I mean, that, that when people sort of a mistake people make with branding is they want to talk to what they think too overtly, I guess, to what they think their their brand value is. Yeah, I think um, it's a great point. I mean, we we get this request all the time, believe it or not, that a lot of times a company will come to us and ask us to tell a story that's not actually true. Um, we had a client, uh, a potential client one time call us and say that they wanted to make a line of honey and the honey was going to be curated from, uh, these third world farmers. And, um, you know, the, the story was, was so magnificent. I mean, I felt myself like <laughs> leaning closer and closer into the phone, just thinking like, wow, this would be such a, 
a great project. And I was, you know, Ashley and I were so excited about it. And as we kind of pushed a little bit more about if we were to work together, we'd love to fly out there and tour the space, you know, to really, in order to brand it properly, to get it, to, to experience it firsthand. And he got quiet and he said, oh, no, 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 that's not, that's not, that's not really the truth. That's the story I want to tell because I think it will sell. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is actually happening. And this has happened to us many, many times. Like companies think that's what the audience wants to hear, or they think it's a really um, do-good story, or maybe it's a purpose-driven story that may or may not be true. Okay. So that that ultimately always comes out though, doesn't it? Uh, probably. I mean, I, I think mean, that there's a lot of, uh, you know, I you, you have to think about um, what's that water, Voss water, where you know they say they they go to the edge of the like, spring? Oh, and, the glacier or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Like it's dripping off the glacier, and they're they're just staying underneath it with their just capturing their, it. Yep, that's just right. capturing it bottle by bottle. I mean, it, I don't know. You know, I, I think uh, the companies that we've certainly worked with, or that we choose to work with, let me put it that way, are companies that we really believe um, and have seen. Uh, behind the scenes of what they're doing and and know that it's genuine and coming from an honest place. I think some some companies though do ask us to fabricate the story, which always makes us feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, now one of the other comments as you had made earlier is something about having deep pockets. I mean, does it take deep pockets to really build a brand? I mean, because a lot of the people that listen to the show are entrepreneurs, uh, startups, you know, companies of more limited means. Yeah, um, you know, I think you have to be very realistic about that brand building is not something you do once. It's a labor of love. And it is something that takes time and thought and love and a lot of care. And that sometimes translates to investment. And I think what entrepreneurs and startups often forget is they spend a lot of time on the product development and not thinking about the brand. And, you know, our philosophy is that you're building a brand from the moment that you start asking people to support you and the moment the idea is born, because then you are going out into the world and you're asking people to back you and to believe in you. And it's not enough to have the idea. You know, execution is so much of that. And I think what entrepreneurs fail to sometimes understand, especially if they've never been through it before. Now, now entrepreneurs that we worked with that have built other brands know how important brand is to success. Um, just as just as much as it is to have a great product or service, it's just as important to have a great brand. And so, I think you know you can absolutely. There are ways to, for less, of, for lack of a better word, hack a brand. You know, meaning like if you can do things on your own, like discover the purpose and articulate it, draft your own vision. You know, work through the values, articulate who you are um, outside of your own head and into some type of framework that you begin to build the company of. Those things don't cost you anything but time um, and a little bit of effort. You know, to kind of put put forth uh, when it comes to actually building out a brand. Meaning, like, are you investing in things like the identity and, you know, packaging and a website and, uh, you know, maybe even, um, you know, trade show materials or, you know, such and such. Like, you know, those are things that, of course, like require some investment to do well and to do right. And, but you can do things like, I think in stages or phases to kind of use your money wisely, but it's like anything, you know, you, you can't sort of invest everything into one pot and then 
and then kind of skimp on the thing that will represent you in the world, which is actually brand. I mean, without brand, you don't have much at all. And, and just like I think what's what we're seeing a shift in is that we're now moving away from it being product and service to actual people. You know, people are brands. Like just mm-hmm. look at Beyonce. Um, you know, look at, you know, Tony Robbins, like, uh, you know, Howard Schultz. Sure. I mean, sure. these, these individuals, you're a brand, I'm a brand. Um, and the 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 message and the um you know the sort of visual and verbal connotation that we put out into the world is actually what what people what sticks with people and and that is absolutely branding in and of itself. Oh, so, absolutely. I mean, any sales representative that's out talking to a customer, they they have a personal brand that they're representing when they're talking to them. Mm-hmm. And absolutely. Yeah, we spend a lot more time writing about and talking about the importance of taking advantage of the tools that exist to everybody, and in this case, mostly social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, and so on. And where do you start by building a personal brand? Well, a lot of times it's there in that social media profile. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. how, are, how are you branding yourself in such a way that given a world where the customers are being inundated by sort of undifferentiated messaging, how do you stand apart? How do you stand out from the crowd? Yeah, well, and and it's it's the million dollar question, you know, uh, so many companies and so many individuals ask us that very same thing. I think one thing that is a mistake is to start looking at your competitive landscape in a way that you become paralyzed. You know, we get a lot of calls sometimes of people saying we want to be the next Apple, and and our sort of rebuttal <laughs> is, no, actually, you need to be the next you. And right. and and I think because some people are unsure of who they are, it becomes harder to brand themselves because they're they're unsure and un, you know not confident in who they are, but. You know, when we do work with leaders and organizations that have a true sense of self, it's it's it is extraordinary because you really begin to see how much they love not only the brand that they're building but the company that they're building, and so it makes our work a lot more meaningful and rewarding because we're a part of something that begins to take shape, and we're watching it sort of unfold and having a hand in that in that evolution and unfolding of that, of that brand or organization. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it is, it is very difficult to be creative. You know, a lot of people struggle with it. They don't know how to, um, to think outside the box because let's, let's face it. Most of our life, you know, um, we have been taught to fall inside the lines. You know, we have been taught to conform to a set of standards that society deems acceptable. And when we sort of demonstrate that individuality. We're often ridiculed. You know, sometimes we're even suppressed and maybe even worse, we're like stripped of our own sense of possibility. And so I think it makes it harder and harder for people to know that it is okay to be weird or different or to try things in a new light to to get people to pay attention because otherwise, you know, the world doesn't notice the common. And I heard a great... Um, I watched this remarkable speech called uh, from, I, I don't know if you saw this floating around on social media, but it was from a, a guy by the name of Donovan Livingston who did the 2016 Harvard graduation speech. And one of his lines was, none of us were meant to be common. We were born to be comets. And I thought that was just so brilliant, you know, because it's very true. I think we have to see ourselves as not ordinary and not common, but actually have a gift to give to the world and and figure out ways to deliver that, whether that's through our business, whether it's through our brand, whether it's through the work that we do, our careers that we choose, we are able to, we are able to do those things in the world. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes we're our own worst enemy, you know, we're, we're the ones that get in the way. 
Well, yeah, I think that's oftentimes the case, more often the case than not. Uh, so you do have, you have done work with, with smaller entities. And I thought, sir, interesting to talk about some of the examples. I mean, for instance, one of the companies uh, that you profile on your website is a barbershop. <laughs> yeah, those guys are cool. <laughs> so, so you, you know, you're high powered branding agency, yet you did a branding uh, work for a branding project for a barbershop in Fort Worth. So tell us mm -hmm. about that. How'd that come about and, and what's it done for them? Yeah, well, that's that's a very recent um, example. So uh, Jonathan, who is the, he calls himself the janitor, but he's really the, the CEO and the founder of Fort Worth Barbershop. Um, it's just a little small town barbershop on the corner in downtown Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, we met him at, he came to see us speak at a branding talk that we did and just kind of connected with him. And he said, you know, I've, I, I built this website, um, you know, and, and I, I feel like I kind of need to take my brand to the next level. And so, you know, we worked with him on just clarifying that and, and really bringing uh, a new experience online. We, we went in and did um, uh, some new storytelling and, and, and interviewed some of the barbers and just worked um, alongside of them to kind of spend a day there at the barbershop and you know, so many men were coming in and out and just kind of hanging out for the day. And it was just sort of this really interesting uh, community of guys, you know, and, and it was really fun to be a part of and, and build them a brand and build them a website that, you know, as, as it's only been up actually a couple of days, so I can't speak to the results so far, but uh, he said that, that uh, just in the short time it's been up, he's gotten a, a lot of feedback that people are really, uh, think it's really strong and and really connected and want to get their hair cut. So I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I, again, example of a small company that, and, and then another one that was a, um, it looked like a small ice cream company, Sweet Scoops. Yeah. Sweet Scoops is, um, yeah, that was a family owned business. Her uh, father um, started uh, Scoop and Ice Cream back, oh geez, uh, back in the eighties, I believe it was. And it was passed down to her brother and then passed down to her. And she took over the company and it became sort of a frozen yogurt company. A lot of history there, a lot of story. And so were they, were, were they had their own parlor? I mean, what, or were they manufacturing under other labels? What were they doing? No, they were, they were, um, it was a scoop shop and then it turned into uh, like frozen yogurt. They actually were making in-house and then distributing. So mm -hmm. for example, like they're in Whole Foods and things of that nature. Um, and, uh, just a, a really cool story. Um, she, the, the CEO, the leader of that company just really loved the brand, you know, loved uh, a family owned business, um, really wanted to kind of not necessarily break what had been done, you know, meaning like, you know, she had this, this long history and this heritage in the brand, but she felt like, Hey, I'm, I'm taking over it now. And I feel like I want to in infuse my own vision into this now. And, kind of build out the brand the way that I want. So we worked with them on sort of reshaping the identity and re really rebranding the, their line of, of flavors all the way through. Uh, I think they had something like 12 flavors at the time that we rebranded them. And I think they've, they've created more since then. But uh, yeah, very, very powerful rebranding launch for them. Um, and, you know, just love their story, really connected with the 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 love that she had for the the organization and for the brand and that makes like I said it makes our job a lot easier because we're working with somebody who truly values um, the work that we were doing together. So what's been the payoff for them? 
Um, you know, I, I think that they've had a lot more um, collaborations in terms of, I think they were sort of up in, I want to say like New Hampshire area. And I think they've now since expanded into uh, different stores and um, actually moving um, west now with with the line. So that's really exciting. And I just think a lot more shelf presence than they had before, which was the the brand when they came to us was pretty faint. You know, it had kind of hit a wall and wasn't was not performing well. And since the rebrand, they've had a lot of success. So that's really exciting to see what they're up to. So let's tackle a couple issues. So one is let's get down to the personal level, and we touched on it a little bit before in terms of uh, personal branding for sales reps, but. Yeah, you're an expert at branding, and and this personal branding is so crucial. I mean, so what what steps? You know, name one or two, three things if you could that that sales reps should be doing to take control of their personal brand, regardless if they're working for a company or working for themselves. What should they do to start that process? Well, I think the question becomes what what are what is the goal for that individual? You know, like you said, are they selling themselves? Or are they selling the company? Um, as a salesperson, I think that your job solely is to kind of work on behalf of the organization that you're a part of. And I think you begin to adopt the principles and philosophies of whatever that company is that you're working for. Um, and I think that, you know, when in sales, you should be able to bring those, those values and that culture forward into the, into the product or service that you're selling. Um, now, whether or not, you know, there's two ways to look at it. You can look at a person who's actually trying to sell themselves, meaning, you know, are they trying to create their own personal brand and, you know, sort of go on to do lectures or things of that nature? You know, it, it kind of, it's a loaded question because I'm, well, I'm just, not sure I which just, one to answer. Well, I mean, I think just for success within their own career path uh, within a company. I mean, it's, it's, you could be selling, you know, software as a service of a particular vertical market. There could be 10 other companies. So yeah, your you personal brand is really going to be one of the things that helps you stand out. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a great way to frame it. I think that, you know, most people don't think about their, like you said, it's sort of like all about the product and less about the person. And I think in today's market, people do business with people. And if in I some agree. way you can embody, uh, you know, your best qualities, whether that's a sense of humor, you know, like to me, that's like your brand, you know, if, if you're a funny guy or a funny gal, like, you know, those kinds of things begin to represent why people choose you over other people. Um, and I think, you know, depending on... And is it okay, though, that being the case, let's say they're funny, let's say sense humor is, is something that, you know, really is a key part of what their personality type is. It's been effective with customers to some degree, mm-hmm. let's say greater degree than lesser degree. Is it okay for them or should they then, you know, do something within their... You know, there's social profiles that reflect that, that display that sense of individualism as opposed to just, you know, hey, I'm another corporate soldier, corporate drone. Yeah, I, I think that we're going to see a lot less of that happening. A lot, lot less of? A lot less of of that kind of control, you know, over people and their personalities. I think the world is becoming too exposed. You know, you've got mm-hmm. too many people on too many platforms, like everybody's on Snapchat, everybody's on Instagram, they're on Facebook, they're on Twitter. And to think that you can somehow uh, squeeze them out of their personality to be, like you said, another soldier in the line of, of, of a sales team, like to me, you're squashing their very soul. And so, you know, for us, like even with people that work for Motto or people that we partner with for Motto, like individuality is is really important to us. 
Um, now, whether or not it fits in line with our values is another. You know, those are all things that I think as an organization, which which goes back to the culture thing, is are you hiring the right individuals for your organization that represent not just being a good salesperson, but actually being someone that that you have hired intentionally and thoughtfully, and they meet a set of criteria that you're looking for. You know, because like we know, like one bad apple can sort of uh, you know, spoil the whole bunch. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just just based on like personality and 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 how they're influencing the rest of the team and so forth. So you know, but I think it's unrealistic for companies to think that they can squash out personality or that they can put such wraps on them that they're not allowed to have social media profiles or they're not allowed to talk about certain things. Like to me, it, it, you know, that, then you're you've hired the wrong people. You know. Um, because there are people out there that don't have social media profiles and don't talk that, about themselves on social media and like, you know, have, have a very private life. Those are your people, you know? Um, cause, cause if anything, there's friction there when you do that. So, you know, I believe in individuality. I do believe in having a personality and, and being able to use that, um, for whatever your role is, you know, and, and really just like, like going back to maybe the purpose conversation is, you know, we spend 80% of our lives in the grind, you know, that's, that's a lot of precious time to spend wasted if the work you're doing doesn't align with, you know, what you can do and what you can offer to the world. And so, um, I think in, in business and and whatever you're in in sales or anything of that nature, you, you have to find something that aligns with who you are and what your gift is and, or what your gifts are and so that you can love what you're doing because otherwise that's that's the best sales of all is people who actually love either the product or service or the company that they're working for. You know, they're going to sell better, they're going to perform better, they're going to be happier, and they're going to do better because they're in an alignment with an organization that they feel believe supports them and they feel protected and safe and they love. So, yeah, enables them to express themselves most authentically as well. So in yeah. that environment, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to move into the last segment of the show. I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. And first one, Sunny, is when you are out selling Motto's services, <laughs> what's your most powerful sales attribute? Uh, I would say, and I've heard this before, um, and I'm only, uh, you know, I think I have this attribute and I've been reassured that I have this attribute. I think that I am a very passionate person and I really believe in what we're doing and what we offer. And I think that really comes through and that authenticity of what I'm doing comes through. And so I tend to be a little bit infectious in that I can really get people on board and really paint the vision of which I hope to achieve and and get people on board with me to go towards that vision. And so I, I really think it is one of my strengths. Okay. Like it. So you start your own company. Who's your role, role model? Or who's your business role model? Uh, you know, that's a, that's a deep question and a personal question. Um, my parents, uh, my, my mom and dad were, um, very near and dear to me. And my father was an entrepreneur. I grew up in a family that was entrepreneurs and, you know, they taught me how to really come from nothing to something. You know, my dad started his business. What was Uh, the business? He, he was a commercial contractor and he he's a lot of different things before he was a commercial contractor, but that was really the thing I think that became his his true love. Mm-hmm. And I watched him grow it. Um, he he never graduated uh, college, you know, never went to college. He grew up in a coal mining camp, and his dad couldn't read or write. And his dad used to um, go home, leave home with a shotgun, and come home with a car. 
And he used to know how to barter really well. And so my dad learned a lot of that. Oh, yeah. And then <laughs> he barter, not stole. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He didn't he didn't steal. But um he couldn't read or write, you know, and but he knew how to work people. And my dad was really gifted at that. He was so likable and uh, just it, nobody said a crossword about him. And I grew up watching that. I watched him grow his company from three people to 150 men. He was working on multi-million dollar jobs, started his company, I think, with $250 in the bank. Very similar to Ashley and I's story. I started my own company. Um, I co-founded Motto with Ashley uh, back in 2005. We had $250 in our bank account. Mm-hmm. We'd never worked for another agency. Um, and pretty much everybody told us that we would fail. And you know, I think having been and seen the blueprint of my own mother and father and how hard they worked um, really taught me how to survive you know, and to, 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 to carve my own path and to, you know, no matter the resistance that I met to be able to overcome. And so they are hands down, probably my, my biggest influences, but I would, I would also say Ashley, I mean, she's my co-founder and she's absolutely inspires me every day. Is so smart, um, good at all the things that I'm not good at. And so she inspires me too. So you know, the, I would say those three people okay. are pretty much my my role models. Good answer. So, one book every one of your clients should read. What is it? Uh, Paul Arden. It's not how great you are; it's how great you want to be. Mm, good choice. Good choice. Okay. So, last question for you. This is always the toughest one. Is what music's on your playlist right now? Oh, I love Coldplay, mm-hmm. and I listen to that a good bit. And uh. uh I listen to a lot of of, of um, uh, blues, <laughs> a lot of blues and jazz. Um, Billie Holiday, you know, just just stuff when it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> the blues when it's raining. That's the oh, blues that's good. when it's raining. Yeah, and a little bit of bluegrass too. I'm a bluegrass player, so I oh, always, you are. Oh, I am. Yeah, I grew up playing blue, bluegrass when I was eight years old, and uh, was a pretty prominent picker by the time I was eleven years old. So my original path was probably to be on the Grand Old Opry, but I, uh, I I became a designer instead. Are you still playing? I do play all the time. I can play uh, about eight different instruments. So wow. I pick, pick a good bit. Yeah, I miss it a lot. I don't, I don't get to play as much as I did, but I, I any chance I get, I I will be on Snapchat having somebody film me and I try to get on there and play guitar and keep keep myself going. Interesting. Okay, well, great. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, Sonny, thanks for joining us today. So how can people find out more about you? Yeah, you can find us at wearemotto.com. And we're also um, alternatively on Instagram, Snapchat, Snapchat, uh, Twitter, and Facebook at wearemotto. Excellent. Okay. Thank you very much. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is to make this podcast a part of your daily routine, listening on your commute, in the gym, or part of your morning sales meeting. That way, you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Sunny Bunnell, who shared her expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.